Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children 18 plus, you are tuned in to the Lone Officer Podcast with me, Dustin Owen, and my main man, JC, John Coleman. Dio, what is popping? This bottle that you have sitting up here on the centerpiece. Crusty Do you bottle. even know about Big Man Brewers? Yeah, Rivers? I think it was a company you told me that was once in business and they gave you a bottle, but it is no longer in business. But I just took it because it ties into the theme of today's episode. Okay. Well, I love your thought. I love your planning. Uh, for those that are tuned in on YouTube, you will see a nice, it's not nice. $8.99 bottle of red wine that is engraved. The engraving is probably worth more than, than the, bottle, the of wine. bottle of wine. Yeah. Correct. But no, it's my buddy Wesley Ridgewell. I have not seen her talk to Wesley in maybe a decade. Shout out, Wesley. But shout out to Wesley. He was a realtor that when I was a young, scrappy loan originator, used to refer me buyers. And Wesley's a great time. He went on a guy's fishing trip with us down to Almorada, had a blast. But Wesley ended up parlaying his real estate career and his real estate con connections to starting a moving business a oh, moving yeah. company yes it is still around it is not only still around but do you remember that dive bar that mark and nikki took us to mm -hmm. yeah a dive bar in winter park florida Trash. mark lives in chicago illinois Trash. nikki is in waco texas Trash. you and i try to show them a good time by taking them out to park avenue which is swanky mm -hmm. af mm -hmm. nice time mark gets us into a freaking dive bar mm -hmm. drinking domestic draft beer, shooting darts, and oh. dying of lung cancer due to all of the cigarettes smoking. It was more of an there. experience. Okay. Well, right around the corner from where that okay. dive bar was, Wesley has an entire lot as if it looks like a junkyard, but it's not. But it's chain link fence with barbed wire to keep bad people out. Mm -hmm. Chock full of trucks that are wrapped, big man movers. Homeboy made it. He's done it. Nice. You should have him on the show. It's a really cool story about entrepreneurship because literally all he was was young and strong and had a couple buddies that were young, dumb, and strong. Mm -hmm. And when he would go get an order, he would then have to go to the local like U-Haul or Ryder and rent the truck. You might as well do it myself. The and, then, and then charge the people, pay his laborers, and he would make whatever was left. Now he owns his own trucks, multiple trucks. They're totally wrapped with big man movers. And he does everything cross-country moves for people good for wesley and his company yeah i probably haven't talked to him i've been in my house for 14 years it may have been right around that well, time maybe last you time should maybe you should practice what you preach and re, uh rinse off that rolodex and reach out and say hello to your past client database maybe i will john maybe if someone's tuned in who knows wesley ridgewell hit him up tell, tell him his boy dio misses him yeah and tell him congratulations because i do follow him on facebook and i did see that he is newly married oh yeah cool marriage is fun for everybody but then we didn't come here to talk about that today big man movers is on the table because we're here to talk about what dustin buying a house in today's market sounds horrible hey man this is shit that they don't teach in school they're not talking about this right now i know because it's not a good time to buy or is it well See honestly they're there? not talking about this right now because the average age of a home buyer is 33 of a first-time home buyer that mm -hmm. is and if we're talking about school whether you're talking about university or you're talking about high school those kids are like 17 19 maybe 23 years of age so think about this you're 23 years old you're still a decade away from being the average age of a first-time home buyer. You still don't know shit. But what if you knew more about buying a house? What if you knew more about financing options? What if you knew more about 
the benefits or that it's not as hard and cumbersome as people make it out to be, mm -hmm. would you have bought a home earlier than 33? Would you have bought it at 25 or 27? I don't know because they don't teach this stuff in school well, if until I, now, John. Well, had I known, I could have bought my ho a house in New England for like 75 racks in like 1998. Yeah, had you known, and what would that house been worth uh, today? Flip that piece of shit now for like a cool 220. I bet more than that. I really? Four fifty. Oh my gosh! Especially if you're even close to Boston. You know those like, like you know no, it's like Western Mass, like suburbs, Forest Park area, like crusty colonial homes, like not really that nice, like regular. It's worth, it's worth all of four hundred grand. I can't believe that. all of four hundred. That's grand, one year of more. college. That one year of college could have gone like set aside to purchase just like a, a modest three-two home in Western New England, Massachusetts. That now would have been twenty years later worth. 10 times. And imagine if you put a renter in there this whole time you've been living in Florida. That's insane. And that renter was paying off your mortgage, paying for your taxes, paying for your insurance. Right? Yeah. Like, yeah, that's how this shit works. Yeah. This is exactly how it works. But we're in a very, very weird market. Like, very weird market. We've seen mortgage rates go up from 3% to 7%. We have people talking about a housing bubble, which, by the way, we have been talking about on this show for, for years. For a minute, yeah. <laughs> that there is no housing bubble. Still today, here we are recording. It's June 2023. And I'm saying there's no housing bubble. But it's a different, it's a unique market. It's a market unlike those we've seen before. By the way, we've seen multiple times in my career, I've seen unique markets. But this is a unique market like we have not seen before. In 2011, the uniqueness was every home that buyers were making offers on was a home that was being short sold. It was being sold for less than what was owed on the mortgage. So a buyer would submit an offer, the seller would accept the offer, the buyer would go, woohoo, the realtors would go, cha-ching, the lender would say, yeah, baby. And then we'd have to wait four months, seven months, 11 months, all waiting for the seller's lender to approve the seller selling the home for less than what was owed and whether or not the lender would accept less than what was owed or if they were gonna stick it to the seller. So although everyone cheered and the home buyer was super excited, many times there was no transaction. Many times they sat around, they waited, they waited, they were strung along. Oh, we'll know an answer in three days. We'll know an answer in three weeks. It's three months later, we still don't have an answer. That was a unique market. That was a unique time frame. Now, home prices were cheaper. Homes were readily available all over the place. Interest rates were decent. They weren't like 3%, but they're still mid mid to low fives or mid to high fours, right? They were, they were decent. Lending was a little bit more restrictive. There was less lenders. There was less people willing to lend money. There was less down payment assistance. And you had this conundrum known as short sales. Or if you weren't buying a short sale, then you were buying a home from a bank or a mortgage company who was selling a foreclosure. And that was a whole different ball of wax because they were, that was a non-emotional buyer. I'm sorry, a non-emotional mm -hmm. seller. That was a seller who really didn't care about you as a human. They cared about the numbers. Did the numbers make sense? And if they did, they say the house. You want repairs? Tough shit. We don't do repairs. You want me to cover closing costs? Nope. Not only do I not cover closing costs, but if I am Fannie Mae, for an example, they did this here in the state of Florida, they didn't even pay the standard cost paid by seller for many years. So their standard cost 
in most of Florida that as a buyer, the seller pays those closing costs, but not when you're buying a bank owned property that we called an REO. So that was another time we had a unique market. Go back to 2006, that was a unique market. What made that market unique? There's a bubble going on. Everybody was buying real estate. Everybody was gonna become real estate rich. You could make an offer today and you would have $50,000 of equity by next month. Well, that was false, that was fake. Why was that happening? Well, that was happening because financing was easy. If you could fog a mirror, literally, right? Think about this, put a mirror underneath your nose. If it fogs, that means you're alive. That means you have a pulse. Awesome, can you sign your name? If you can sign your name, you have a pulse in your, in your breathing, we'll give you a home loan. Literally, that's how easy financing was. Because of that, everyone could buy not just one home, but multiple homes. So there is a false sense of demand and financing made that happen. So that was a whole different market. The market that we're in today, honestly, is pretty similar to the market that we have been in for the past five years. It just got noticeably worse in 2020 and 2021 because of the COVID-induced stimulus that was put into the U.S. economy, artificially lowered mortgage interest rates to a point to where all of a sudden it made homeownership uber affordable and COVID made it easy for people to live anywhere in the U.S. and still do their job. And all of a sudden people started going out and just buying properties. Most were buying primary homes to live in. Some were buying second homes and those some people may very well by next year start putting the homes on the market hey i thought i wanted to be able to live in naples for six months out of the year and live in missouri the other six and my job was going to let me commute but just found out my job's laying me off great news is it's a great job market i found another job but that job will not allow me to work remote or just found out my employer is making me come back to work at least tuesdays and thursdays it's going to make it very difficult for me to continue to work four or five months out of my home in Naples, right? So you definitely have those types of pockets throughout the United States where you could see some inventory come on. You could see some slippage in home values, but overall, no, right? We look at the most recent Case-Shiller report. Homes have appreciated by four to 5% throughout the U.S., more in the South than maybe other parts of the country. Sure, there's some markets that maybe again have softened more than others, whether that's Boise, whether that's San Francisco, whether that's Austin, Texas. Markets where short-term rentals were dominant, markets like Celebration, Florida, which is basically Disney, or certain uh, coastal areas, sure, right? You had got some people who maybe got out ahead of their skis, but this market that I'm trying to explain to you and that we're gonna get right into in terms of like, how do I buy a home? I think you first have to understand the market. You have to understand that it's unique, but it's not like drastically unique. And we have experienced unique in the past and all of us bought and financed homes during those unique markets and created and generated massive amounts of wealth during that time period. So what are you hearing people bitch about these days besides lack of inventory and rates being like seven OMG? Literally, John, lack of inventory and mortgage interest rates being 7.0 OMG. Really? 7.0 OMG. Did you make that up? Yeah, of course. You should make some kind of a social media no. post with that. Hey, someone swipe and adapt that, that from us. Go ahead. Yeah. What are mortgage rates? 7.0 OMG. 
<laughs> right. The good news is, according to our good friends over at MBS Highway. June. August? Wait. I'm going August. Okay. I'm going August. Right. But yeah, we should be able to get down in the fives. The NBA thinks we're going to get down in the fives by the end of the year. The Mortgage Bankers Association, our number one trade organization. Dr. Mike Frattentoni, the chief economist. Okay. Right? Lawrence Yoon, chief economist at NARV, the National Association of Realtors. Yep. Like super smart people who study this shit for a living. We should be heading to a point where we see rates around 5.5%. Maybe even five and a quarter. Possibly even sniffing the fours. The Federal Reserve, man, they're playing games. They're delaying, prolonging, creating a little bit more pain. So, you know, you you, you, you give and you take. Um, the Federal Reserve is really good to a lot of us in 2020 and 2021 with their economic stimulus. A lot of mortgage bankers made shit tons of money. A lot of loan originators made shit tons of money. A lot of realtors, same thing, you know. Now, all of a sudden, they're trying to reverse some of the things that they did. It's having a negative impact on the mortgage interest rate market. It is making it more difficult and more cumbersome for people to buy. But the number one issue is no inventory. And I'm here to tell y'all, I don't have an answer that you want to hear as it pertains to inventory. Look, we need more houses, period, end of story. How do you get more houses? You build them. How do you build more houses? You find more land that's economical to purchase, so cheap land that you can also develop, meaning there aren't many environmental restrictions, mm. there aren't many, there's not much red tape, there's not many hurdles. You'll let me put X amount of units on, on Y size parcel. And then I need to be able to find materials at a reasonable price and labor that is inexpensive. Real question, are we like literally just running out of land, like running out of space? There's plenty of land. Have you been to Wyoming? No. Shit tons of it. Now, please do not go to North West Wyoming because that's my heaven. I don't need any of y'all fools there. But man, if you want to go to Southeast Wyoming, Central Wyoming, you ever been to Nebraska? No. Nope. How about Iowa? Psych. Yeah, plenty of land. Been to Arkansas? Mm -mm. Yeah, they got land. Fly over those places, Dustin. They're called flyover states for a reason. No, no offense. Shout out to my boy Jake in Arkansas. No, but like, yes, it's just a matter of like in certain areas, in desirable areas, like, yes, you do run out of land. But then if there's cheaper land, then you're going to be willing to drive. Or yeah. if you're not willing to drive, then you have to commute. And then you have to ask, well, what type of rail system is there? Do we have a light rail? Do I have a speed rail? Do I have a way to get from one city to the next? Do I have the ability to, to maybe not commute every day to work, but I'm willing to commute three out of the five days to work? Or do I just get used to commuting an hour a day? So the first thing I need to do is just understand there's not enough land. And if you find the land, it's pretty cumbersome to develop it. And if you do develop it and you're able to get your supplies, what are you paying for your, for your supplies? And then with supplies, you need actual laborers who are swinging the hammers, working the saws, hanging the drywall, laying the pipe. And how many of them are there and what are they charging? Well, you see this in Oviedo over by where we live around that bend. You see like those custom houses going up, not in like subdivisions, but like one at a time, like in a plot of land that was once like forest, but now is like cleared. Like, was that like difficult to do? I see those kind of like popping up. Is that not? Well, they're popping up and then you have to ask yourself who's going to make money when that happens. And then who financed that? Because that builder took a big risk when he went out and bought or she went out and bought that piece of property and developed it. And mm -hmm. now they have to sell it or they're going to sell it for a profit. 
And then where they get the money? They get the money from the bank because there's a squeeze on banks right now. And getting money to build what's called a spec home is difficult to do. Mm. So this is just a big why. This is just a big, I'm going to get to the how. I've teased you all and I promised you all, we're going to talk about how to buy a house in today's market. But I think you need to understand the why before we get into the how. This is just what's going on. And the bad news is I don't see the inventory issue being fixed anytime soon until we can start building. Work with your local municipalities, your local counties. Work with your states. What are they doing to incentivize builders to build? Making it easier, making it cheaper, making it so they can make a profit. What are they doing to attract cheap labor to your market? Because if they have certain policies in place that prohibit or turn away those that are willing to do manual labor for cheap, that may make home building more expensive, which is not going to add to your supply issue. The issue is there's no supply. There's plenty of demand. There are plenty of people that are 33, professional, career-oriented, possibly married, dual income that want to buy houses, just no houses to buy. And then there's people who are 28, 27, and 26 stacked up behind them, salivating at the thought of becoming a homeowner, but just being like WTF, there's nowhere to go. That ain't going to change. So keeping that in mind, here are some things we do need to have happen. Sure, it would be nice. It would be nice if people had to shed some of the multiple properties that they purchased because they realized kind of like buying that treadmill three years ago or that boat two years ago, you really don't use it. It's actually a big waste of space or with a boat, it's a cost because it keeps breaking. I got to renew the tag and pay the insurance and pay for storage. So I'm just going to sell it. You will get some inventory, but not enough. We're, we're, we are at such an inventory shortage that we could dump tens of thousands of homes in the market right now and absorb every single one of them. Just absorbed. It would look nothing like mm -hmm. 2008 and nine, right? So that's, that's not an issue and we would almost welcome it. You, know, you could talk about, well, what if these corporations who purchase all of these homes, what if they started dumping the homes? I'd be like, good. Let's cheer for that. How do we make that happen? Right? All of these hedge funds that went around and purchased up single family homes over the past three to five years. What if they started like getting out of that and they wanted to start selling? That would be good for us. Hey, unemployment's at a record low. Things cannot stay at record lows, just like they can't stay at record highs. So eventually unemployment's going to go up from three and a half to four and a half. And when that happens, that means we're going to have an extra million people unemployed. If someone's unemployed, they might not be able to pay their mortgage payment. They can't make their mortgage payment. They have to sell their house. Okay. We would welcome that because those people, 99 out of hundred of them have boatloads of equity in their home. That is their, their cash stuck in their home. They could legitimately sell their home to someone who has been on the sidelines salivating. And then they could take that cash and use that cash to either move to a new city where there was employment readily available. They could use that cash to live, go back to some kind of a trade school, a vocational school or a higher learning institution, obtain different education that would allow them to be more employable. They could use that money to go start their own business because maybe they were phenomenal at what they did. Unfortunately, the company went out of business. They still have that skill set and they think they can do it better on their own. But they would first need to maybe tap into their wealth by selling their home. Again, the market 
could absorb that and we want that to happen. So if none of that happens and you're a home buyer in today's market, what should your thought process be going through? That's what everyone's wondering, right? Pay cash or get off the damn lawn. Do not pay cash <laughs> unless your financial advisor sits down with you and talks to you about why that is advantageous for your situation. What are the percentages? Give me a rough number and then get into the specifics. 25% of all transactions right now are cash transactions. Really? Yes. I would say, I'd have no idea. I would think it would be in the single digits. That many people? 25 What the hell? That's a lot. Or do I not know anything because I really don't know anything? No, that is a lot. And I wouldn't know because I'm a mortgage lender by trade. Right. So I don't talk to people who are buying houses <laughs> using cash. Right. Yeah, it's, um. look, for some people, it's because they sat down with their attorney a state attorney, that is, mm -hmm. their CPA, their financial advisor, and their portfolio is managed in a way that owning real estate cash is a hedge against their other investments. Mm. Okay, that's a rich person problem right there. Mm. There's other people because of how they were raised or the generation they were born or out of pure ignorance, they own their home cash because it helps them sleep good at night. And I said, yeah, homie, but what if you're debt-free and poor? versus wealthy with with minimal debt leverage debt huh right huh yeah okay can't wrap their head around it they sleep good at night knowing that they own that house free and clear i was like all right cool but you don't have much of retirement uh, savings mm. you know yeah cool but you don't really enjoy life because you're stuck in that house the whole time and you ain't got no money to to actually go enjoy life so yes people are paying cash and i would not advise it i i own two homes right now I own two homes. I could pay off that mortgage twice on both homes. I love having that mortgage, right? Because I know my money's in the market working for me. I didn't, I didn't go spend that money. That money is saved. That money is invested, right? And I trust that that money is A, out earning what I'm paying in interest. And B, that money is in a spot that is more liquidatable to me than my house. The way that I get a hold of my house is equities. I got to sell the damn thing or I have to go borrow against it. Borrowing against your house and tapping into the equity is not always the quickest way of getting money. It could take two weeks. It could take 45 days. Mm. <coughs> Excuse me. So for me, my strategy, when I sit down with my financial advisor and my state attorney and my CPA, no, we keep mortgages on my property. And if I was buying a house today, same exact thing. The only time I wouldn't is if I had so much money in an investment account, I would potentially use a, a leveraged line of credit to purchase my home. That's where I basically put collateral up as my, my assets or my collateral, my bank or my financial institution lends me my own money. I use that money to go purchase real estate. So now when I'm paying interest, my interest rate is low, my, my investments are still working for me, and I didn't have to go do a traditional mortgage. Again, I'm going down many rabbit holes here. Let's talk about the nuts, the bolts, the meat, the potato. You're buying a house in today's market. The first thing you have to understand is it is a seller's market. You are going to be one of many buyers who are interested in buying this house. And you are going to have to do everything you can that is legal and ethical to set yourself apart. Plain and simple. You're going to have to understand that mortgage interest rates are pretty darn close to a 10-year high if they're not at a 10-year high. You may even have to pay a point to get your interest rate. What is a point? A point is a percentage of your loan size. It's a fee that you pay in conjunction 
with obtaining your home loan. I'm not going to get into the MBS market and bonds and securitization and prepaid speeds and duration, but just know there's a technical reason why you would not be able to obtain a rate without points right now, because the market is not incentivizing that product to be, to be created. They don't want to buy it and they have the reasons for it. So in today's market, unlike the market three years ago, five years ago, seven years ago, 10 years ago, and today, today's market, many home buyers can only buy a home obtaining home loan financing by paying points. What does that mean? It means their closing costs just went up. So if you thought you're going to buy a house and you just needed your down payment plus rule of thumb, 3% for closing costs, it may be 4% for closing costs because now you have your normal closing costs plus you have that one discount point, that additional fee that it takes to obtain that rate for that loan program. It's a, it is what it is. So you should understand that you should budget for it. You understand that you're going to be one of many offers. So how do you set yourself apart? Well, I would go to a lender who's going to underwrite me, even though I don't have a property, not pre-approve me, not pre-qual me. A pre-qual means you talk to a lender like me. I asked you a bunch of questions about your income and your assets. I pulled your credit, ran some numbers and said, yep, you're likely to qualify. A pre-approval means you talk to a lender like me. I asked you a bunch of questions about your income and your assets. I pulled your credit. I then asked you to verify in one manner or the other, your income and your assets. And then I ran you through my automated underwriting software for my LOs. That means DU or LPA, Gus, if it's a USDA loan. And as long as I have data integrity, meaning as long as the information that I put into the system is legit and accurate, I have an underwriting approval through this automated underwriting system. Cool. Now I issue a pre-approval letter, but there's a step you can go further. You can actually, most mortgage companies allow for this. Most wholesalers allow for this. And if they don't, maybe a reason for you to look elsewhere, but you can send a file to underwriting. Typically you don't do this unless you have a property because part of the underwriting process isn't just income assets, credit. It's also the, the property that gets underwritten. But we have an opportunity to send you through and have your income truly verified by an underwriter, a professional underwriter with the right designations. Have your assets verified, have your income verified, your employment verified, like all of that is verified to where now when you make an offer, you can offer to that seller, hey, I can close in 10 days. Basically, how quick can I get an appraisal, an inspection, and my title work done? Seller might not want you to close in 30 or 45 days, but isn't it good to know from a negotiation standpoint? You can also go to the seller and say, I'm as good as cash. Literally. Sometimes people turn their nose up on financed offers. Not me. Uh-uh. My lender did a full underwrite. Here's my commitment letter. The only thing that I need per this commitment letter is homeowner's insurance. I need an appraisal and I need title work. That's it. And sometimes you don't even need an appraisal. Maybe you got an appraisal waiver. Who knows? Something else that you can do in today's market, you need to be willing to get your inspections done quickly or even write an offer with no inspections. You need to be able to get your appraisal done quickly. The good news is, hey, appraisers got a bunch of time. Got a bunch of sitting around twiddling their thumbs because they are not getting the orders that they got just two, three years ago. Two, three years ago, appraisers making money hand over fist, gouging people with, with uh, upcharges not getting to orders for three or four weeks, uh, supply and demand says something different. So you can negotiate or make your offer stand out by 
by having either no appraisal contingency, maybe you don't need it. Maybe you talk to your lender and your realtor and you realize that, that you're gonna be in good shape not having an appraisal contingency. Maybe get your appraisal done in five days. Like these are all things in today's market you just have to be aware of, but you have to be ready to go. You have to have your financing in order. You have to be ready to, to make an offer quickly. You have to be ready to negotiate, see the home quickly. This isn't a, huh, home's coming on the market on Thursday. Oh, yeah. You I'll get to oh, it yeah. on I have, a, I have a story. You know okay. Ty, right? From, yeah. yeah. Shout out Ty. He actually recently purchased, like, new construction. Like, he's moving somewhere, I don't know, out by Daytona. Okay. Um, and he's selling the home, and he's, he's in now. And actually, one of the stories is, he's like, I, I know how to purchase a home. Like, I can e-sign, and I can e-submit files quicker than anybody. And, like, that was a funny story because a lot of people, like, he deals with, like, competitors and whatnot. They're like, how do you e-sign? What is that? And he's like, give me it. Give me the docs. Give me the docs. I can get it. So being somewhat tech savvy and knowing how to, like, use new technology might also. Yes. No, that's that. a great idea. Like, leverage the technology that, that's around you. What you have to understand as a home buyer is that it's a good market. Yes, rates are at a 10-year high. Yes, you're going to have to pay more in closing costs in many instances. This is all normal. This is, this is all the way that the market is currently shaped. You're not going to be able to negotiate a whole lot with the seller. That, that ship has, has sailed. We talked about that on previous episodes, mm -hmm. like maybe back in October, November, December, January, you could. You were in the driver's seat as a buyer for a short period of time, and I warned you, this is going to be a short period of time. Well, here we are in June. Hey, that time's come and gone. Mm. It has come and gone, and it'll get better yet worse when rates do start coming down because more people will put the home on the market. But that just means instead of you being one of six offers, you'll be one of three offers, right? Because there's so many people who are sitting on the sidelines who want to buy. And by the way, those sellers, half of them are going to move somewhere which makes them buyers all over again. So, you know, this is kind of the world that we live in. You kind of got to get used to it. Here's something that like top loan originators like Kevin Murphy are doing right mm -hmm. now. You might not need down payment assistance. You might have got my own money, but some of the down payment assistance programs, the rate is set by the state. Well, depending on the day, the week, the month, sometimes that rate is a better rate than what the market's offering. Now, many times that rate's worse rate than what the market's offering. And that's always been, historically speaking, one of the downfalls of utilizing down payment assistance. It's like, well, the rate's higher. Or, look, it's not free money. you got to pay it back. But imagine this. Imagine you're a traditional buyer. You don't need down payment assistance. But if you utilize the down payment assistance program and you take their money, you're going to get a cheaper interest rate and maybe a rate where you don't have to pay points. Huh. That could be a strategy that I deploy to make me purchasing a home cheaper. So who cares to give me money that I have to give back when I sell? I didn't need the money to begin with, right? And I'm not paying interest in many cases on that loan. It's a, what's called a silent second mortgage. So I just wanted the rate. Yeah, so maybe loan officers, have you been looking at down payment assistance even for your clients who don't need it? No, they haven't. Of home, course not. Yes, home buyers, are you looking at down payment assistance? No, because e I don't need it. Even if you don't need it. Yeah, yeah. that's, a, that's a, a strategy and a tactic. So if we're talking about how do you buy a home, you got to be quick. you got to be quick to see it. you got to be quick to make an offer, and your offer better be strong. How do you make your offer strong? You make your offer strong by having some kind of a commitment already from a lender. Right, my company calls them platinum pre-approval. Right, there's 50 good mortgage companies out there. They all have something similar. They call it something similar. But you can go through a platinum pre-approval. Loan originators, if you're not using this and this tool's available to you, 
you got to start doing it. Two, two reasons, three reasons. A, you help your realtors win. If you help your realtors win, you're a better partner. B, you help your buyers win. You help your buyers win. That's how you get paid by doing their loan. In C, as a salesperson, you want your buyer, your borrower committed to you. Well, how do you get someone's commitment? Get them sending you documents. Do work for them. All of a sudden, there's just this implied commitment. Whereas when you're not collecting their documents, when you're not doing work for them, they're less committed to using you, your company, and your service. So those are things that we should be doing. And then some tricks that have been working is we need to start looking at potentially utilizing down payment assistance, even if it's not needed, because it may offer a cheaper interest rate or a cheaper entry cost because you're not having to pay points on that particular down payment assistance program. And I'm not saying for always and in every state and every county, I'm just sharing with you what's been shared with me that's working in certain markets. And then finally, this is the big one. This is a really big one. Y'all, your mortgage is not a 30-year decision. 30-year fixed. I need it. Yeah, you do want a 30-year fix. You want to fix that interest rate sometimes. And you want the 30-year payment, but the decision is not a 30-year decision. The mortgage you're getting today is the best mortgage for which you qualify that allows you to do what you, you came to do, which is buy a house. Nobody came to get a mortgage. Nobody dreamt of getting a mortgage. We don't say having a mortgage is the American dream. No, owning a home is the American dream. Your goal is to own a home is to buy a home. The mortgage is the instrument you use to buy said home based on what the market conditions are and what you qualify for and what your personal financial needs, wants, and goals are for that time. In a year, we have a different market. In a year, you may have different financial needs, wants, and goals. Three years, five years, seven years down the road. So you get the best damn mortgage that you can get today for which you qualify for. Understanding that in two years, it's a great likelihood you don't have that mortgage. In seven years, it's a great likelihood you don't have that mortgage. Because you're going to refinance in two years. By the time rates finally do get down to the low fives or uh, um, high fours, and then maybe five or seven years after that, you may have sold the house or paid it off, right? So quit thinking about your mortgage as if it's this 30-year decision. Right now, I would tell you your mortgage is probably a one to two-year decision. Worst case, it's a five to seven-year decision. But I love the odds that in just one or two more years, you're going to have interest rates cheap enough. You're going to have decent enough equity in your property. You're going to want to refinance. And then to kind of like put a big fat bow on today's episode, please do not try to time the market, quote unquote, time the market. Like, what are you timing? If you could time the market, you'd be living in a yacht right now in Fiji. I'm talking like a hundred foot yacht with like a Hellcat on it and a helicopter. Like you don't time the market. You look at your situation. You say, does homeowner ownership make sense to me? Can I afford the entry, meaning down payment and closing costs. Can I afford the payment? And do I feel comfortable with where I am in my career that I'm going to be able to consistently earn enough money to make this payment? And then lastly, can I afford the upkeep that comes with home homeownership? If the answer is yes, high freaking five. Take out your mortgage, whether you're rate six and a half or seven and a half, you can refinance in a year when your rates, when rates are five and a half. Now all of a sudden your mortgage payment is 300 bucks cheaper a month. Cool. That's 300 bucks more that you can put towards retirement, 300 bucks more you can put towards vacation, 300 bucks more you can put towards paying off your student loan, 300 bucks more that you can put towards you name it, a new car, a boat that you'll never use and end up selling three years later 
after you realize how much money it sucked right out of your bank account. Right? You'll have that opportunity, but quit looking at this home as if it's like, this is the home. For some people it is, but very rarely is it. Mm -hmm. Very rarely. Like even looking at me, my first house, I lived in it for seven years before I moved out. My current house, I've been in there for 14 years. I'll be there for three more. Three more before I move out. And I'm on my second mortgage. So I've had two mortgages on that property in 14 years, once every seven years. And I'm going to have it sold in three years. Right? That's pretty normal. And there's some people who do it much quicker than that. Sell your home on this. Sell your, put your house on the market on this show. Put your house on the market. Yeah, sell it on the show. Oh, like, actually, you, yeah, put it up on yeah, the market. Yeah, like, hey, yeah, like, I'm, yeah, I'm gonna give you guys a code, a discount code yeah. to purchase Tio's house. Yeah. So, like, how you sell, how you buy a home in today's market, you do so by being tactful, by being aggressive, by being well thought out, by being prepared, but also by being fully aware of not just what's going on today, but why it's going on. We talked a lot about the why. But also, what do I anticipate it being like? Is it going to be much better? Nah. Based on the case Schiller, the home that you buy today is going to be worth three to five percent more next year. So that three hundred thousand dollar house next year is three ten. That four hundred thousand dollar home next year is four fifteen. So the price of the home it ain't going anywhere. The inventory shortage that we're experiencing, get used to it. This is kind of a bit of a new normal until home builders can get out their building. Sure, interest rates will come down. But when they come down, that just means more people are going to be in the market looking to buy. Yes, there'll be slightly more inventory, but it's, again, not going to be enough inventory until the home builders can get out there and just start building a bunch of homes. And I'll tell you, there's a lot of bureaucracy and red tape that's getting in that way. A great lender and a great realtor. That's what you need to start with. Home buyers, a great lender. A great lender is someone who is local. They are knowledgeable. They are an advocate for you. They understand that mortgages are not one size fits all. They take a financial consultative approach to lending. They fight for you. They are your advocate. That's a great lender. Same thing for a realtor. They understand what it means to negotiate, what it means to come in strong. A great realtor has great working relationships with other great realtors in the market. I don't know if y'all know this as home buyers, but as a home buyer, if your realtor is well-respected and your realtor has great relationships, I promise you this, if there's five offers that come in and three of them are pretty similar, but of those three that are pretty similar, one of them is, is with an agent that uh, has a reputation that, uh, I don't know. I'm pretty sure the other two are getting looked at a lot harder than the one that has the agent that's like, ah, you know, same thing with a lender. If your lender is unknown in today's market and there's multiple offers, listing agents going to give their feedback to their client, the seller, and it's going to say, Hey, look, two of those lenders I know really well. I've had great experiences with them personally and their companies. These other three, I just don't know. And if I'm looking at similar offers, then what's going to stand out? Every little thing matters, right? Every little thing matters. And that's where for certain buyers, you're going to have to ask yourself, oh, well, I didn't want to pay that person's transaction fee of $495. i am like, but what if by paying that realtor's transaction fee of $495 was every reason why you got your offer accepted? 
It's every reason why you got home 1A, not home 2B. 1A was your top choice. 2B was, eh, I'll settle. What if that lender whose interest rate was an eighth or a quarter higher? I'm talking 25 to 45 bucks a month, right? That's what that means. That lender was the reason why you got home 1A and not home 2B, right? These are all things for home buyers to think about that I don't think is being taught in school is sure as shit not being taught in the national media. You're not turning on MSNBC and hearing this. You're not watching TikTok videos necessarily unless we're doing them and, and hearing this, you know? Mm -hmm. This is how you buy a home in today's market. This is how you win. And look, if y'all have questions and, and our content isn't enough, you can reach out to me. Literally, I love hearing from people. I'm obviously passionate about what I talk about. If you have questions regarding home buying, I don't care what state you are in, I will be more than happy to answer them. A lot of times I'm going to probably push you to talk to your lender. Make sure you have a lender that you know, like, and trust that's going to advocate on your behalf. I'm going to push you to talk to your realtor. But if you just needed a, another person to talk to, or you don't even know where to start. Look, if you don't know where to start, start with me. Start with me. I would do everything I can to field your request quickly. And then I will help you figure out who in your market you should be talking to. He'll even cover your closing costs. You heard it here first. Bullshit. John, this is a pro bono, no ads podcast. Oh. We don't have the money oh. to start paying I'd be people. surprised if someone, i just say ignorant shit to see if somebody's even listening. Oh, I like that. I know. I like that. But, you know, I, I'm on LinkedIn. First name Dustin, last name Owen. That is the best way to get a hold of me. If you go on IG and you go to at the Lone Star Podcast, I'm pretty heavily involved in our DMs. It's typically me and Nikki. Uh, shout out to Nikki Ray, our VP of Client Engagement, Events, and Sales. But she and I are, are hardcore in there. Mark and JC are the ones no, posting the reels. Yeah. Mark and JC are yeah, posting Mark, the reels. Yeah, if you don't like the reels, blame them. Don't blame me and Nikki. But now, nah, man, I appreciate uh, y'all tuning in. I hope you got what you came for. We highly encourage you to continue to like us, share us. If you are just listening right now on Spotify, YouTube, or anywhere you go to listen to podcasts, check us out on YouTube. We love it when you subscribe and you comment on the YouTube channel. If you love what we're doing, make sure you tell a friend. Don't just tell one, tell two. Sharing is caring. And if you're a mortgage loan originator, make sure you go to tloponline.com. That is the loan officer podcast.com. Check out all of the resources we have on that website. We are offering literally sales training and scripting and marketing ideas and resources and links and articles and newsletters. And if you're willing to become a premium member, you'll get two coaching calls per month. So check it out. That's all the time we have for you today. He's John Coleman. I'm Dustin Owen. You've just tuned in to the Loan Officer Podcast. We look forward to catching you on the next episode. Peace.